is up, y'all? Corn, you know, I don't know, man, if I have seen someone, and I think I said this a while back when he first came on the network, was I don't know if I've seen someone with, someone, someone with the drive and passion to make it in the industry like I've seen with, with you. And um, You know, that's my boy, that dude, 2020. I like the name. The, Where did the, the, the drive and fire and passion in some people is not quite there for this type of an industry because it's cutthroat. It's very, you know, up and down roller coaster of emotion. So I don't know if I've seen a person, though, who probably has been so appreciative of a chance that they were given. Corn, like I've said, though, man, is, um, you know, again, you're one of the new guys on this network. And again, I know that you're very appreciative, though, of of me kind of giving you the shot here. But it how did you get blocked by LeBron James on Twitter? I don't know if I've seen so much drive and energy and passion uh from someone maybe other than me from this industry. Ron is truly a rising star in this industry. He knows his stuff. Uh, you know, he's not afraid to go at people and he's a guy that you want to go to bat for. And I'm so thankful that he's part of our network. What is up, folks? That one dude, 2020 here. A quick emergency live show. Kind of had one little trade in the NFL that happened, and potentially the Denver Broncos are finally realizing that Drew Locke is not the answer at the quarterback position. But again, ladies and gentlemen, Drew Locke, the Denver Broncos, sorry, trade for Teddy Bridgewater with a sixth over a pick. Before we kind of continue on to this quick five to ten minute show. Tomorrow night on the MI6 Sports Network, we're having a NFL draft extravaganza. The whole entire first round of the 2021 NFL draft. All the reactions. Isaiah flipping out with the San Francisco 49ers decide not to draft you-know-who and Zach Wilson. Before, without further ado, let's put it into the draft, draft extravaganza video. He'll throw it here on first down. Pressure up the middle. Wilson gets away from trouble. Oh, oh wide open receiver is caught inside the 20. Again, the NFL Draft Escavaganza will be here tomorrow night on the MI6 Sports Network for the entire 
first round of the 2021 NFL Draft. All the reactions, emotions. I say the young sis is going to break a TV if the San Francisco 49ers draft Mac Jones. Again, folks, this is the Diamond Dude 2020 Emergency Show. There isn't really a lot going on in the NFL today. Is some other breaking news that, again, the Denver Broncos trade for Teddy Bridgewater. Excuse me. I wanted Teddy Bridgewater, excuse me, on the Broncos for a couple of years now. But let me kind of clarify this. Just because Teddy Bridgewater is on the team doesn't mean that the Denver Broncos are not going to select a quarterback in this year's draft. I'm excited to have Bridgewater on my team. And maybe it's just slowly but surely the Denver Broncos organization and leadership finally swallowing their pride and finally realizing that, hey, Drew Locke may not be our franchise quarterback. So if you're bringing Teddy Bridgewater, having that veteran mentorship, you know, if you're going to have a quarterback battle in camp between Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke and potentially another quarterback, you really think it, Drew Locke is somehow going to outwin Teddy Bridgewater for the starting job with the Denver Broncos. Again, folks, Denver Broncos trade their 2021 sixth-round pick to the Carolina Panthers for Teddy Bridgewater. People know a lot of Teddy Bridgewater's story. He had his best season in 2015, leading to an 11-5 record that year going to the playoffs. And we kind of know what happened after that. Blues Dan Bailey or Kosowska game or kick that was missed. And unfortunately, Seattle went on to win the Super Bowl that year. Or sorry, the Patriots did. But again, folks, the question is, when we're looking at as Broncos fans, regardless if we're critical of Drew Locke or anything, again, I'm sorry, words are all over the place. I'm exhausted. But now, if the Denver Broncos, since they traded for Teddy Bridgewater, does this show this doesn't really change anything of how they approach draft? But this is just, this is also mean that they have less and less confidence in Drew Locke. I know when we talk about criticisms for quarterbacks or when I praise a quarterback sometimes let's say let's like ignore the number like the passing the touchdowns the yards the interceptions let's ignore that for a second when I talk about Drew Locke as a quarterback and for now no longer the starting quarterback of the Denver Broncos I'm not saying Teddy Bridgewater is this flashy elite quarterback oh he's gonna win his MVP that's not the type of team that we're gonna have with the Denver Broncos and this isn't a shocker to really anybody what the Denver Broncos have done, defense, defense, defense. You let the quarterback do their thing. You let them pass here and there. But again, folks, this is a team that could be really exciting for next year. We were in 2016. We were so close to getting to the playoffs. But I'm not saying Teddy Bridgewater is our savior. But it just gets me excited that Drew Locke potentially will not be with the Denver Broncos next year. Just because, let's just say Drew Locke is done with the Denver Broncos forever. I am not, I am critical of him as a quarterback. And I think some people neglect that say, hey, I am critical about a quarterback. I am critical about a player. That somehow translates to I am critical of them as a person. And that's where it kind of drives me nuts. It's like, I've been very critical do I think he's a great dude? Yeah, me and him could have a beer sometime. But I think there's a notion here that if you're critical of a player, like you are with Mac Jones, does that mean that you're critical of his person? No, but I think this is kind of what I was saying, is, yeah, just a little bit that the Broncos are starting to get a little bit less and less conf confident about Drew Locke being their quarterback. You know, somebody in one of these panels here on the show tonight said he would win MVP last year and said Drew Locke this year would win 
NFL MVP for the 2022 season? Well, first of all, let me say this. Um, I am glad to be on the show tonight. Uh, you know, I've been dealing with a bunch of stuff, but glad that those things are now taken care of. And I, I get to be on the show for tonight to talk about this trade that pretty much erased any hope that I had of wanting a Jimmy Garoppolo to the Denver Broncos trade and seeing John absolutely flip out on the set come tomorrow night. That would have been epic. But, you know, let me say this. Um, John's right. You know, there's there's this notion where when we criticize a player, we people think that we're criticizing them personally. And I know that a lot of people have misconstrued my, you know, criticism of Mac Jones or McCorco Jones that we're going to call him. We're not calling him Mac. We're going to call him McCorco Jones until for him, for you, it's MJ. For me, it's McCorco Jones, but I don't, I don't hate McCorco Jones. I like the kid. I think he's going to have a good career. I wish him nothing but the best. My anger is more directed towards Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch for making that idiotic decision to trade up for that pick. And I think that's kind of, you know, where John was going at it with his uh, Denver Broncos and with Drew Locke. But about the move in general, um, you know, (laughs) I think that George Payne, the general manager of the Denver Broncos, did exactly what he said he was going to do when he was first introduced as the Broncos GM. He said when asked about Drew Locke, they're going to give Drew Locke a fair shot to win the starting job in training camp, but they're going to bring in a veteran quarterback to provide some veteran competition for Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos. And I think that's what the Denver Broncos are doing with this move. You know, you give up a six round pick, a six round pick is pretty much nothing in the NFL. Um, It's like giving a box of cookies pretty much for Teddy Bridgewater. That's how worthless six round picks are in the NFL. And also, Carolina folks, they're paying majority of the salary that is owed to Teddy Bridgewater for next season. So the Broncos pretty much got him for free. I mean, they pretty much got him for free. Thank you, Matt Rue. Yes, thank you, Matt Rue. It's a move that, you know... You had to take because if you're gonna if you're gonna get the Panthers to pay the guys majority of the guys' salary, plus you're only giving him up a six round pick, you can't pass up on that. And the Broncos, you know, I like this move because it's a move that if Drew Locke, if it doesn't challenge him to be yeah, go ahead, John. Breaking news, the Phoenix Suns make the playoffs for the first time since twenty ten, defeating the Clippers one oh nine to one oh one. But I say you can continue. I just want to break that news to you. What a day, man. If I had a bottle of uh, champagne, I would have celebrated right You're now. You're a Lakers fan, remember. Yes, but I've been a huge Devin Booker fan ever since day one. I've been on that guy's wagon ever since day one. And to see Phoenix finally make the playoffs is super sweet. But we're, we're moving off topic here. But about the Broncos, you know, I think Denver, they are poised to win now. They can't afford to go out and go get a project like Trey Lance who needs to sit on the bench for the next couple of seasons to develop or even, you know, Justin Fields or any of these rookies because I feel like besides Trevor Lawrence and maybe Zach Wilson and, you know, McCorco Jones, the Justin Fields, 
Trey Lance, I just don't think they're NFL ready right now. And you're going into a Broncos team that want that needs to win right now, especially for Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio has another losing season. Vic Fangio will be out of a job in Denver. So the GM gave him, you know, provided him with a bunch of pieces on the defense. I, they got Fuller in the offseason. Um, they also got Ronald Darby in the offseason. Uh, now they give him a veteran quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater, which he can turn to if Drew Locke struggles. And they're going to also, I guarantee you, provide him with more um, offensive line and you know offensive help. Uh, so Vic Fangio, he's got no excuses now. He's got no excuses. He has to win this year. And if he doesn't win this year, Vic Fangio is out of a job. Love this move by your Denver Broncos. John Elway. This is a John Elway that I like. And again, I was telling them, I'm not saying that he's going to win MVP. It doesn't matter who they have at quarterback. You don't need him to win MVP. It's defense, defense, defense. Our defense didn't struggle last year. If you protect Teddy Bridgewater, the last time Teddy Bridgewater had a decent offensive line, they went to the playoffs in 2015 with Adrian Peterson and the and the young Minnesota Vikings with Xavier Woods and all of those guys who are now dismantled at that point. I think with Denver Broncos, I I want to answer James's question, but I'm going to try and do it with less biased as I can, despite how much I don't want Drew Lock. I can neglect how you aren't a good quarterback in my opinion but also your terrible choice of hip-hop music. The chair of James Gonzalez, James Gonzalez says, what week will Teddy Bridgewater take over to start for the Denver Broncos? It's going to be no later than week three or week four. Because the fact of the matter is, despite that extra game this year, remember, there are 17 games this year, folks. So the Denver Broncos have another chance to make the playoffs. But like Isaiah said, there's little room for error. You don't have four to five years to wait. This is not being me being a what you call the impatient Broncos fan. The Chiefs are going to be here for the next five to ten plus years. You have the Raiders that are going to be doing their thing. The Chargers are making moves here. This isn't the Chiefs of like you say Matt Castle or Nick Foles. This isn't the Raiders of Matt McGloin back in the day or Terrell Pryor. We don't have time to sit back and see what's going to happen in the next four to five years. This is the John Elway that I like. I'm not saying that he's going to be like a Peyton Manning, but taking those type of moves that you don't think any other team – I want Tim Bridger on my team for years. I have I have traded for him in Madden countless of times. I think no later than week three or four, depending on if Drew Locke can't limit the turnovers. Because, again, I said we can ignore the numbers, passing yards, touchdowns, all that. I don't. I screw pro football, pro football focus just for this one topic. Let's look at him on field. Let's watch the film. His decision-making in the pocket, you can tell, isn't there at that type of quarterback. And I could understand if we're in rebuild mode, we give you time to uh, figure out your decision-making in the pocket. His his mobility, if I could get something, a brick, that is Drew Locke's mobility in and outside of the pocket. And with how this team is, I understand that you don't need him to throw for a bunch of yards, but you can't be throwing to the other team every single pass. No later than week three or week four. And as for my answer to this question about what week will Teddy Bridgewater take over to start for Denver, you know what? I'm going to say probably uh, week four or week five because – or I think it will be sooner. I think if Drew Locke has like 
the first couple of games for Drew Locke is going to be huge for Drew Locke because if he struggles the first couple of games, I would not be surprised if Vic Fangio yanks him in the middle of game two and puts in Teddy Bridgewater uh, for uh, to start for the Denver Broncos. I really liken the situation to the Mitchell Trubisky Nick Foe's situation in Chicago last season. I think that's what Vic Fangio and the Broncos are doing uh, in this situation. You know, Vic Fangio, he came from the Matt Nagy coaching tree, having coached for the Chicago Bears prior to joining the Denver Broncos as their head coach. And I think he's taking lessons from Matt Nagy. You know, he's taking, um, you have a young quarterback, you bring in some veteran competition like the Bears did with Trubisky, and then they brought in Nick Foles. And then now Denver does that. They have Drew Locke, they bring in Teddy Bridgewater. And if, you know, Locke struggles the first couple of games, Locke's going to be out of there in Denver because Vic Fangio knows he has no error in Denver, he has to win this year, and if he doesn't, he will be fired. So he's going to put in Teddy Bridgewater, I guarantee you, probably by week two at the earliest. I could definitely see that um, unfolding in Denver. I've been saying this this whole offseason, I say. You can, anybody can go to me on or off camera. I say, give Drew Lux some veteran help, regardless if he's going to be the future quarterback or not. This is true for literally anybody. You could say to a turnover. Yeah, to a turnover, I think is not a great quarterback. Again, did it help him a little bit? Yes, that is very important. Look at Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, we saw Patrick Mahomes early on or in college. He had the arm. He had the talent. But to extend that to NFL level of talent, learning behind Alex Smith for a year, I think really helped. Because if Patrick Mahomes started early, again, this is the problem. Is we start guys too early. Before they get learned from veteran help. I mean, look at Jameis Winston. I understand you can be critical, like he interceptions, but it helped him on and off the field. And I've been saying that for a very long time. But all they have to say, they make the announcement of our next quarterback. I'm excited. That's freaking white, folks. Teddy, again, I didn't make that. That's Kersey of the Denver Broncos social media page. Again, courtesy of the Denver Broncos social media page. So I just thought that was hilarious here. But again, this definitely shows at this point, if I'm even with the Broncos, despite you getting Teddy Bridgewater, this shouldn't fear you from trading up in the draft. There's already rumors. I understand that last day rumors are blanket rumors. They don't mean anything. But if you're getting potential calls about the ninth overall pick, despite getting Teddy Bridgewater for literally nothing, you trade up in the draft. I'll take Justin Fields over Bridgewater. I'm not saying that they're going to get a chance to get Fields, but I love the opportunity in my head. Yes, I think that would be great. And the fact of the matter is trade up in the draft. John Elway, grow some earwax here. I think you could have a opportunity to find your franchise quarterback. It would be a lot easier this time around because we have little to no time to error. Ron Miller's getting older. Bradley Chubb, you're going to have to pick up his fifth year option sooner or later. You got Cream Jackson. A lot of Cream Jackson's 31, 32 years old. This is not 2015 with Malik Jackson and all these other guys that are no longer with the team. We have to win now. Contracts expire. Quarterbacks, who really knows? Mevin Gordon, you're going to have to pay him after this year if he does what he does. Even 60% of what happened last year. Again, James Gallus comes in to say, I was shocked by the Panther Broncos trade. James, I was really shocked too. Like I, if because uh, I, I called Isaiah immediately right after, dude. I was headed. I was 
had going, going to get gas and I was going to head to work and seeing that as I was going to get gas, dude, I was freaking pumped. I was screaming. I was excited because this is a quarterback that I've loved for his entire career, regardless of numbers or accolades or if he's going to ever be a elite quarterback. I love him on my team. Yes, partly because this means Drew Luck will not be the long-term starter, and it should be that obvious at this point. James Gonzalez also says, can I wait to see this quarterback competition in preseason? I am excited about it. It's just going to delay the inevitable that Drew Luck is not the guy. You can talk about, oh, look, his first year. No, this is a different situation here. You don't have let's, – let's look at the Colts with the Peyton Manning his first two years. You have Tennessee. All right, great. What did the Jaguars do? Nothing. What did they have to do? Nothing. Versus now years later, where now you have every single team in your division is a playoff contender. We are a quarterback and a few offensive line players away from being a playoff contender, and we have an easier advantage. But just because we have an easier advantage of one extra game, that doesn't mean we should be relaxed. You need to treat this like you're about to be eliminated from the playoffs in every single decision that you make. Again, I am happy that Teddy is just even playing. I couldn't agree more, folks. If you haven't followed football really ever, what happened in 20, towards the 2015 playoffs, I believe Teddy Bridgewater was sliding down in uh, – one of the defenders popped him in the knee, and um, it didn't look like he was going to start or walk ever again. Again, it's one of those stories here, folks. And uh, the Vikings, unfortunately, lose in the playoffs that year. We go on 2016. He misses the year 2017 against Sam Bradford. The next year, Case Keenum, one game away from the NFC Championship game. And now a guy that we didn't think was ever going to play again nearly beats out Sam Darnold again. And then now Sam Darnold takes his job in Carolina. Very ironic. I'm happy to see Teddy Bridgewater starting and even playing again in the NFL. This one I'm excited about here, James. And Isaiah knows here that potential trades before or during the draft are going to be fun to watch. But Isaiah, you were so confident. You were so cocky. Jimmy Garoppolo was going to the Denver Broncos. They were going to trade a second-round pick. And what did I say last night? I don't believe it. Because unless, until it happens, until it says the Broncos have sent a second round back, they have sent. Until I see that confirmed, I don't believe it. And clearly this just shows here that either the reports or was just false. Who knows? Because we've seen, like as I said, you see so many reports before the draft that say, oh, look at this guy and this guy. I think about it. Mac Jones wasn't supposed to be that high of a, pick supposedly then you get all this hype around him and now he's potentially a top four pick in the NFL draft this year there was some talk about Jake Fromm with them potentially some issues off the field and text messages whatever and he goes down to the sixth round but how do you feel now that Drew Locke the guy that you hyped up that said that he was going to win MVP how do you like I know we joke around but in all seriousness now looking at the Broncos who do you think would honestly Healthy offensive line, who do you think would win the quarterback competition and camp? I still think regardless of who wins the competition, the Broncos offense still ain't going to do anything. And it's not because I hate the Broncos. It's because of Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer should have never been hired as the Broncos offensive coordinator. Neither Vic Fangio. He is a the most blandest offensive play caller, blandest offensive schemer, blandest offensive play designer I've ever seen in my life. I don't even know how that dude has been a head coach 
two times in his NFL career. It makes no sense whatsoever. Yes, the guy was a quarterback's coach for Andy Reid, but it if you follow Andy Reid, it does not mean that you are this bright offensive mind. Just look at Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy followed Andy Reid in Kansas City, and everybody was like, oh my gosh, Matt Nagy, we got the Knicks Sean McVay, we got the Knicks McVay, and then he made the playoffs that first year, and then everybody was like, yeah, we see, I told you, we got the Knicks Sean McVay, we got the Knicks Sean McVay, and look what's happened the last couple of years. Matt Nagy offense has been the most vanilla in the NFL. It's the same with Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer, I saw what he did last year. This guy... I think is the problem. I don't think any of these two quarterbacks, maybe Drew Locke, like he, yeah, he has his issues, but Pat Shermer is one of the biggest problems in Denver. Rich Scangarello, who is now the 49ers quarterbacks coach, he works wonders with young quarterbacks. He put in a modern day offense in Denver. And if you watch the Denver Broncos compared to when uh, Joe Flacco was starting to when Drew Locke came in and started, it was totally different. I mean, the Denver Broncos, they weren't scoring like 40 points a game, but still, they were putting up a respectable number of points a game. And, you know, they had a lot of creativity in their offense with a lot of motion, a lot of jet sweeps, and a lot of play action off of those motion plays, which Drew Locke really thrived in. And then Pat Shermer comes in. And what does the offense look like? It's literally run run on first and second down, and then on third down, uh, when they're hoping that they're in third and five, they dump a short pass over the middle to try to get the first down. That's literally what Denver's offense is. Denver's offense has no motion. There's no creativity. Drew Locke's biggest strengths, or one of his biggest strengths, is ability to get out of the pocket and throw on the run. Guess what Pat Shermer did? No, just keep Drew Locke in the pocket. Pat Shermer should have been fired last season. I don't know why Denver brought him in. And I think that regardless of who starts, whether it's Bridgewater or whether it's uh, Drew Locke, they're going to, the offense, I think, still is going to struggle because Pat Shermer has the creativity of a five year old boy. Well, I'm going to, I mean, who knows, man, at this point, but. With the Broncos again, folks, he traded their 2021 six-round pick to the Carolina Panthers for Teddy Bridgewater and James Gonzalez. It's kind of saying what we've been saying up until this point. I think Mac Jones is just a product where you played. Offensive line, receivers, your receiver won the Heisman Trophy this year. How much talent was around him at Alabama? Hopefully I'm wrong whenever, wherever he goes in the NFL. I know we joke around about Mac Jones to the 49ers, but the reason why I say the 49ers, regardless of teasing you, is that just the James Gonzalez, excuse me, just said he had a very good offensive line. He had good weapons, a good running game, and a great interior defense. What is a team in the top four pick that has that, regardless of us teasing you? What is a team that has that right now and can be in win now mode? That's the San Francisco 49ers. You got Debo, you got Ayuk, you got George Kittle coming back from injury. You re-signed Trent Williams, you got Bosa, you got all those guys on the interior defensive side of the ball, and you're kind of – in the draft, you're going to be addressing the passing attack. I know we tease you, oh, Mac Jones, and we can tease the, the byproduct of your system, Alabama, Nick Saban. I get that. But he's in a system with the potential with the Ford Niners. It's similar to Alabama in terms of if you have the weapons, receiving core, running game, offensive line, defense, coaching. So that would be a good – I believe a good system for him to succeed. Yes, it would be hilarious to see you react on TV and – 
break a TV. But I think it would be in the best choice for him to succeed because this team is in win-now mode, and they have weapons in all four or five. Let me say this. Mac Jones or McCorco Jones, like we call him here on this network. Now, wait, that was you. I call him. MJ. Yes, I, I call him McCorco Jones because he hasn't earned the name Mac yet. But the reason why if the Niners draft him, I will be upset. It's not because I don't think Mac Jones or McCorco Jones can play. I think he can play. I think he will do all right in the NFL. But I think that his ceiling is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo pre-torn ACL and Alex Smith before the nasty leg injury. That's what McCorkle Jones's ceiling is. And Kyle Shanahan, you, you know, in your press conferences after the games and, you know, other press conferences that you've had and even speaking to reporters like one-on-one, the reason why you did not like Jimmy Garoppolo is because of his inability to throw the ball down the field, his inability to make plays on the run, and his inability to be explosive like Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. When you were talking about Josh Allen, you were the people you answered this question about why what makes Josh Allen great? And you said that what makes Josh Allen great is his ability to not only have a great arm, but his ability to hurt teams with his legs. So having taken all your comments, you trade up, you trade three first round picks and maybe even a second round pick. You trade three first round picks and a second. You mortgage your entire future to trade up from 12 all the way to three for the same quarterback that you currently have on your roster, it literally makes no sense whatsoever. If you're happy with, you know, the kind of quarterback that Mac Jones and Jimmy GR, then just stick with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's like, you don't trade three first round picks to move up to get the same quarterback that you currently have no you get you trade all those picks to get the guy that will take you over the hump and is more athletically gifted more agile and more explosive than the quarterback that you currently have and that is not McCorko Jones that is Justin Fields that is potentially Trey Lance in the future and that is definitely Zach Wilson so if it's not any of those three guys Kyle Shanahan you will be a hypocrite because when you were asked, I believe it was in your press conference about what you wanted in a quarterback, you said you want Drew Brees's, you want a quarterback with Drew Brees's arm, and you want a quarterback with also Lamar Jackson type running abilities. That is not McCorkle Jones. Don't be a hypocrite. Do not make the wrong decision tomorrow, Kyle Shanahan, because this is going to be the most consequential decision in the history of the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers have been around for a long, long time, but this is going to shape the 49ers for the next 10 years. So you better make the right pick. This pick better not be Mr. McCorko Jones. I like McCorko Jones. He's kind of growing on me, but he's still Jimmy G 2.0, and you don't do that to get the same quarterback that you have currently. Here's the only thing I'm not defending MJ here is that the fact, just like in free agency, regardless if the quarterback or a player is worth that many picks or trading that many players, that sometimes is the unfortunate thing that you have to do in the draft. You have to overtrade 
to get what you want. And especially going up nine spots again, who knows? I hope they don't get Justin Fields. I would love Justin Fields with the Denver Broncos. But at this point, who knows? Maybe like Rob Parker says, no way, no how. Hopefully Jones fits in the system that makes his talents work. That definitely could be a possibility. Who knows, my man? If again, and I'll say this: I'm not saying Mac Jones is going to be a future Hall of Famer. Let me make that very clear. But if he's, if somehow he fell to the Broncos again, he won't, based on the hype and the school he went to, and win the national championship. I wouldn't be mad if the Broncos got him, because at least you have veteran presence to help him learn the ropes. Game mobility is pretty similar between Bridgewater and Mac Jones. You get the offensive line. Who knows? Drew Locke is a third stringer. I'll take him any day. Gonna kiss it kind of like Goff did with the Los Angeles Rams. Goff didn't really do anything special, but he's also a byproduct of his weapons. Hence, now he could be a backup in the next year or two. I'll take if whatever happens this year in this draft, I'll take Jared Goff on a one year deal next year, potentially to either compete for the starting job, depending on what happens this year. Or become a backup. It could, I'm not saying that he's Blake Bortles. Let me make that clear. Blake Bortles shouldn't have been drafted that high. Shouldn't have gotten that three-year deal with the Jaguars. But it could end up, in, end up being like Blake Bortles in a few years. And that's an unfortunate situation coming out of Cal. But, again, that's just some one of the unfortunate things in the I, NFL. I got a couple of things I want to add about this. And that is, first of all, when you look at quarterbacks from Alabama, when has there been a quarterback from Alabama that has been great in the NFL that's come out recently? I mean, you look at the quarterbacks that's come out of Alabama. A.J. McCarron, he's a backup right now in the NFL. Uh, Tua Tungo-Vailoa, he got exposed last season. I think he got exposed. Everybody was hyping him up like he was the second coming of Joe Namath. But, I mean, this guy showed that he was – a byproduct of the offensive, the great offensive line that he had, the great wide receivers that he had, and the great coaching that he had at Alabama and their ability to scheme wide open plays up for him. I just think that that's going to be Mac Jones. I think that when he comes into the NFL, no matter how smart he is, no matter how experienced he is, that's going to be Mac Jones. He's going to just be an average, mediocre quarterback. And if you're Kyle Shanahan, you traded all those picks for basically the same player that you currently have on your roster. So, Kyle, I'm going to look directly into the camera right now. I don't want to ever hear you complain after games. If you draft Mac Jones, I don't want to hear you complain after games or complain to other people in the organization that the reason why you lost is because your quarterback is not explosive enough and you don't have one of the top 10 or 15 quarterbacks in the NFL. You made the trade. So you could pick your guy, your guy that would help define your tenure in San Francisco, and you personally chose Mac Jones. So if Mac Jones ends up being like Tua right now and struggling his and struggling and being average to mediocre, that's on you. That is your fault that the Niners will be stuck with a Jared Goff 2.0, a Jimmy G 2.0, is because your ego, your ego, which I think let's let's get the best of you a lot. Your ego, in which your ego thinks that you can be the best play caller in the world and you don't need a great quarterback. You can make any quarterback great. That ego of yours 
is what's going to end up costing you your job in San Francisco, and it's what's going to end up costing the 49ers to move back or to be set backwards for the next five to ten years if McCorkle Jones is the pick. And I agree, and I think it's – but at the same time, you can play advocate saying, oh, well, what we don't see in the past, oh, what about Ohio State quarterbacks? They don't last either. But he hasn't played in the NFL, so we don't know. I'm not saying he's any different than um, Aaron jo- or, or, frankly, any of the A.J. McCarron or any of these other different quarterbacks. But you can always have people saying that, wow, he hasn't played in the NFL yet. What if it's different than somebody else? And that's what people say about Justin Fields. And I get it. I definitely think it's frustrating. But, again, I love playing this video because I know you can't say a thing about this certain franchise. Matt Chapman. How about the Mokanese that win? What's the last time? 1989. Again, folks, that's not part of the show. I just love teasing Isaiah on that. I would love to work with the 49ers, unlike some people here. But this next thing here, again, the New England Patriots have been rumored to up the trade up in the NFL draft, potentially down or up to the number four spot. I said Bill Belichick is trying to prove that he could win without Tom Brady. If Bill Belichick doesn't get this right, this could be a very awkward next two to three years where, yeah, we broke up, but your name's still on the lease here. His name is still on the lease, even if they broke up, if he does not get this quarterback right. There's potential rumors about getting Justin Fields. It's smart for the Patriots if they do that, but I don't want them to do that. We don't want another dynasty here, folks. I think some type of quarterback. He's a much more energetic, exciting Cam Newton at this point. Cam Newton had a phenomenal arm coming out of Auburn. Again, he used to play out Florida with Urban Meyer, and that's the backup. But Isaiah, if the New England Patriots somehow would trade up to get Justin Fields, how do you think this would shake up not just the AFC East, <laughs> but the entire AFC? Wow. Um, first of all, I would be ecstatic for Justin Fields if he ends up in New England because uh, Justin Fields would kind of be like Tom Brady. He knows that he, he thinks in his mind, I think everybody, every quarterback does as well, but he thinks in his mind that he's the best quarterback in this class and he's got a lot of confidence and a lot of swagger to him. And I just believe that you know, Justin Fields, a lot of people have slandered him for no reason. You know, this guy was like coming into this season. He was the second best quarterback in college football behind Trevor Lawrence. So I don't know why, you know, people are saying now that he's like, you know, the number 15 or even lower than that and have him dropping so low. What did this guy do? This guy, all he did was put up massive numbers against Clemson in the uh, college football playoff semifinals. And also he put up like decent numbers against Alabama, but Hey, that's Alabama. Okay. That's Alabama. Nobody's going to like, not a lot of people are going to go in and torch Alabama. So he didn't even do anything wrong. Hasn't got into trouble. Hasn't, you know, Got hurt, anything like that. I so I really don't know why that he's dropping. Um, my theory is that he's probably dropping because of the whole epilepsy news, which you should be a little bit worried about because epilepsy is a new neurological disorder which involves the brain. And you know, I know a lot of people are like brushing it off like it's nothing, but trust me, folks. I had a friend that had epilepsy. It is some serious, serious stuff. You have to be afraid of it. Um, I know the doctor said that he could potentially, you know, 
grow out of it. And, you know, he's managing it right now. But still, John, think about this. Neurological disease, brain disease, and football is a sport that involves a lot of trauma to the head. So I'm just worried that he might make it worse. Um, I'm looking you know, out for him and his long-term health. But if he can get through the epilepsy, and that epilepsy is no problem, all right? If that epilepsy issue is no problem, I think he's in a great spot because he's got a great defense. He's got a great coach to work with, got one of the best play callers in the NFL to work with that can scheme up plays to his strengths. And he kind of, I think he could be like Russell Wilson early on and just not be asked to do that much in the first couple of years in his career. You guys remember, you know, Russell Wilson had Marshawn Lynch. He had that defense and all the Seattle just asked him to do in the first couple of years was they just asked him to you know, hand the ball to Marshawn Lynch and just not make mistakes. And that's how they, you know, they did that early on and that helped him get his confidence boosted up and that helped him, you know, get, uh, be developed. And now Russell Wilson is this beast of a quarterback. So I think that that's what New England's going to try to do with him. They're going to, if he plays, you know, I don't think he's going to start week one, but I think if he plays like, let's say middle of the season, I think they're just going to top running backs, Damian Harris or Sonny Michelle or any of those guys and just not turn the football over and try to win that way. And I think that's a great way for him to develop. Uh, but I don't know about those reports, honestly, because like you said, you know, there's a lot of a lot of rumors coming out uh, as we get closer and closer to the draft. By the way, our draft extravaganza is tomorrow at uh, 4.45 p.m. Pacific time, so make sure you guys tune in for that. But there's just a lot of rumors coming on about, like, different stuff regarding the draft. You don't know which one to believe. Like, today we had the Justin Fields rumors surrounding the Patriots, and then you had another report from uh, a Boston uh, Boston newspaper writer, I guess, that from Dale Arnold, that the Patriots are reportedly in talks to rework Jimmy Garoppolo's contract. So there's just a lot of rumors out elsewhere. So I can't wait to see, you know, how everything finally pans out in the NFL draft. Here's the only thing I understand about just if nobody said anything about his epilepsy, could we tell on the field? Or off the field that he had any issues. I get yeah, it's, it's very serious. You need to take it seriously, but at the same time, it's like yeah, a ton of family members had it and they outgrew it. They didn't have any issues. Every single body reacts different. If nobody told you that, that wouldn't be an issue. And the reason why they're criticizing it more, even though I don't think that it's as big of a deal, is because every year on the draft, criticizing scouts, everybody's gonna find a tiny little thing to criticize an NFL quarterback, regardless if it's valid or not. You go back to last year when I talked about with Carson Palmer, they were criticizing Joe Burrow because of his tiny hands. I mean, seriously, that that's just a fact of matter. That is definitely a joke, and I don't understand why scouts do that. I understand, like, they may not like certain quarterbacks, so maybe they're valued, they want the value to go down. Again, that's just a lot of criticism from certain scouts and guys coming into the NFL draft. But again, Jensen Zoss also comes in the same Pats needed straight up for a quarterback. Couldn't agree more. If they don't, they might regret it. Pats also have to get more talent offensive weapons-wise. They definitely may address some of the offensive line, but I think what Bill Belichick does best is doesn't draft high offensive players, and he can get some receivers in the fourth or fifth or 
maybe the sixth round, and I think they'll just be all right. This one, James Gonzalez hit the nail on the coffin. This is the most important draft and or offseason for the New England Patriots. Couldn't agree more. Last season, without Tom Brady, you had Cam Newton, COVID-19, all that stuff. So we can give you some wiggle room there. Again, James Gonzalez also says, Post Brady, the most important offseason for New England. Definitely a lot of pressure in there. If it doesn't work out, you never really know. And Ishmael, what's up, my man? Hope you're doing well tonight. Thank you so much for joining and tuning into the show. Ishmael comes in to say, Do you buy the Jimmy G reworking contract story with New England but bro, that broke earlier tonight? I'll be honest here, Ishmael, I, I don't. Because, again, this is not me saying, oh, I want you. I don't want Jimmy Garoppolo on my team. But let me also make this clear. The rumors saying that, oh, this is going to happen. And then not even a couple hours later, it was dethroned. A lot of times. And, yeah, yes, Ishmael, I believe that is his name. But I call him MJ. Again, that's a lot of the stories that you hear about. Oh, reports say this. Reports say that. And especially during the draft. I give it little to no thought at all. Because let's say they have offered. Contracts are talking. Or certain words that they say to make it seem convincing that this contract with this certain quarterback is going to happen. And, again, I don't buy the Jimmy G reworking contract to the Patriots because you heard rumors about, oh, Stafford's going to to the Niners. It didn't happen. All, all these other different stories during the draft, you can't really take that seriously. I, I buy that story because here's why. Because yesterday – Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, they gave a press conference, right, in Santa Clara. And a month ago when they gave a press conference to announce the trade and also give their thoughts post-free agency, they were like saying, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo's our guy. We love Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is a great quarterback. You know, we can win a Super Bowl this year with Jimmy Garoppolo. And yesterday, you know – they mentioned the word starting quarterback in regards to the rookie like 26 times. I was watching that press conference, watched it from start to finish, and they mentioned the word starting quarterback 26 total times in that press conference. And another thing that I would, thought was really telling was that Kyle Shanahan, when asked about you know Jimmy G and if he's going to be on the roster past Sunday, he said, I don't even know if we're going to be alive by Sunday, he clearly dodged the question about Jimmy G. So that makes it so that makes it seem to me that I think that they have a deal in place to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. It just hasn't been leaked yet. Because if you're Kyle Shanahan, if you're John Lynch, why would you go to your press conference and start bashing the heck out of Jimmy Garoppolo? Because that would destroy any trade value that you had for Jimmy Garoppolo. You don't do that unless you have a deal either nearly completed or already agreed to in terms of compensation. So that's why I kind of buy that story about, you know, the Jimmy G reworking the contract. I don't know if he's reworking it with the Patriots, but I think that there is a deal that is either near or complete or uh, already agreed to in terms of compensation out there. And the 49ers are just waiting for Garoppolo to uh, rework his contract with that other team before they agree and finalize that trade. Again, who knows at this point, my man, but other breaking news really in the NFL shouldn't be much of a shocker. Receiver Antonio Brown re-signs a one-year deal with the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers 
worth up to $3.1 million and a $2 million signing bonus, so almost $5.5 million. Regardless, we know the talent's there. The only reason why that he didn't get the con that he couldn't get a two to three year contract is because he's 32 to 33 years old. That's not because he isn't talented. He still has a lot left to the tank at his age, but at that age, you're not going to give a receiver at that age that much money, even though he does deserve it without a doubt. The Bucks are getting stacks, my man, and I have the Bucks again winning the NFC to going back to the Super Bowl. People say, I know it's difficult. Yes, it is. But when you, nobody else has a quarterback like Tom Brady. You talk about all these quarterbacks, oh, going back to the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, when you overpay your receivers, Brandon Cooks, to give him too many offensive weapons. When your quarterback can't put the team on his back, that is in a, a single more addition why teams cannot go back to the Super Bowl. But, my man, the Bucks get stacked and stacked here. But before we finish off this last-minute um, emergency show here, we're going to kind of go over talk about a couple of players from the past that were bust going to NFL history. Speaking about the Bucks here, number 32, they drafted Bo Jackson in 1986. What did Bo Jackson tell the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1986? That if you draft me, I am not going to play for you, and I'm going to go play baseball. And what did Bo Jackson do? Didn't play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers again. Buccaneers back in the day were just pure trash, but man, just seeing some of these stories about NFL busts, Ryan Leaf. I remember hearing that story or a story when I was younger after I started watching more football. But, man, what could have been if Bo Jackson decided to play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Man, imagine the what could have happened with the Bucs where they've had a better career. Who knows, man, man. But a lot of these busts we talked about, it's not their fault. He's not a bust as a player, but it was a bust for the Bucs. The Bucs did not listen. If they don't want to play for you, what makes you think drafting is going to make a difference? Look at Eli Manning with the Chargers. If Eli Manning stayed with the Chargers, they would have won multiple Super Bowls. At that time, the Broncos weren't doing anything. The Chiefs weren't doing Don't anything there. That. The Raiders weren't doing – Calvin doesn't care about the Chargers anymore. The Raiders weren't doing anything. Or the Raiders – okay, they, they, they were a team. Besides the Raiders in that division, they weren't, they weren't doing anything. So I just imagine – what could have happened. But this one, like, I know this was next one, though, is, is a bummer. David Carr with the Houston Texans. This is a problem, folks, is that a lot of times the notion is if a quarterback fails or is considered a bust, it is always his fault. It's on him. And sometimes, folks, even though it is a business, it's not always on the quarterback. That's what I'm saying. Zach Wilson goes to the Jets, and they fail. It's not because of Zach Wilson. It's not because of Geno Smith. It's not because of Marcus Sanchez. Remember, Geno Smith, I'm pretty sure, they went 8-8. Eight and eight. The only decent quarterback they've had was Mark Sanchez, and it wasn't because of Mark Sanchez that they went to those two AFC champs. They had that defense. You had a, a much older LT. You had one year with Brian Fitzpatrick when he went, I believe, 11-5, 12-5. 10 and 6, 11 and 5, and nearly missed the playoffs. But imagine if David Carr, Isaiah, was traded to a team that was in a potential 49er situation, we could have a whole different issue here. Watson wouldn't be there. DeAndre Hopkins, who knows what could have happened. Get James Gonzalez. I feel the exact same way as you, my man. 
I cringe when I hear David Carr's name. I think it was time in Houston. This is the exact situation we talk about with quarterbacks, and I'll continue to drill this in y'all's head here. Offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. Those are two words I'll say time and time again. Not just for David Carr, not just for Tim Couch. Just looking at some of these men, it breaks my heart. It just makes me miss the old football back in the day. But kind of going back to some of these Tim Couch, man. Hold up, John, before – before you continue any further, I want to go back to uh, the David Carr and him getting sacked and you saying that teams need to invest in their offensive line. He's talking to you, Cincinnati. He's talking to you, Bengos. You have a decision tomorrow in which you're either going to draft Panay Sewell, the offensive lineman out of Oregon, or you're going to draft Rashawn Slater, the standout offensive lineman out of Northwestern, or you're going to draft the guy that Joe Burrow has reportedly been lobbying for, his boy Jamar Chase, the wide receiver out of LSU. And let me say this very clearly. If you don't draft either Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater, those offensive linemen, which they are gifted to you. You get to choose between Slater or Sewell. If you bypass both of them, Joe Burrow is going to be the next David Carr because I don't trust the Bengals to improve their offensive line. The Bengals did not really make any moves towards their offensive line, which is a damn shame because look at what happened last year. Joe Burrow got sacked a gazillion times, and you would think that this franchise would say, would see it, see that, and be like, hey, we got to get our offensive line fixed, and we got so much money. But instead, they did not get that offensive line fixed. They used that money and put, put it in towards the defense and elsewhere. They did not fix the main weakness of their team. And if Joe Burrow continues to get sacked that many times, he's going to be the next David Carr. And I have a feeling he might be out of the league in four to five five years because of like catastrophic injuries that he will suffer playing behind that pathetic offensive line. So do not listen to Joe Burrow. I know he wants Jamar Chase, but Joe Burrow, you should be ashamed of yourself if you want Jamar Chase uh, at the Bengals because you got hit so many times last season and you should want your team to protect you from getting hit all those times. So if you get your wish and get Jamar Chase, you know, you deserve to get hit a gazillion more times because you could have had two or one of the top two offensive linemen, but instead you wanted a receiver, which is not even one of your biggest needs in this draft. So Bengals, make the right decision tomorrow. Definitely, my man. I heard that before. Again, folks, this is kind of a little bit off the ball. One of my friends that we interviewed is preparing for the NFL draft. I think Kamel, that interviewed on April 3rd, the one I told you about. So, all the best luck to him, and I believe this year he'll be drafted. And uh, he was a player or a guy that didn't play college football, got invited to the combine. So my best wishes to him. But these last few here, man, some of these just really break my heart here. And again, this is the frustrating part about the NFL. And if you don't like a quarterback, regardless if it's their fault or not that they were a bust, then there's always the notion, oh, it's the quarterback's fault, or oh, it is the quarterback's fault. But again, y'all. That one dude, 2020 here, John on the host, the that one dude, 2020 emergency show, which I really had to do tonight. Didn't think it'd be more than five to ten minutes. But again, thank you guys so much for your comments, though. But we do, before the end of every single episode, we could do an Isaiah Rose test, but man, oh man, 
We don't have the time for that. But let's go to tonight's final thoughts. Hey man, thank you for uh, joining despite what's going on tonight. And I know what you're dealing with right now. But uh, what are your final thoughts for uh, tonight's show and the upcoming NFL draft? Mac Jones, sorry, MJ, the San Francisco 49ers. Well, first of all, thanks for inviting me on to the show tonight. It was a great show. Um, can't wait for – well, actually, before I get into that, I want to thank the fans. I want to thank my guy, Shardo Gupta, James Gonzalez. Uh, make sure you tune in to his podcast. I believe his podcast name is called The Chair with James Gonzalez. Make sure you guys tune into that. I um, also want to thank uh, – I think we had a couple more comments. Ishmael as well for tuning in. And Ishmael, I didn't get a chance to you know respond to this comment of yours, McCorko Jones. And then he asked, is that his real name? John and I can confirm. We looked at this on Wikipedia. That is, in fact, his real name. Mac Jones' real name is McCorko Jones. So um, it's a pretty unique name, but uh, I just don't want him as my starting quarterback. But thanks once again to all the fans for tuning into the show. We really appreciate you. Um, final thoughts for tonight. Man, I, I'm just glad that tomorrow is the draft because, John, I don't think I can take waiting another Me day either. or waiting another 12 hours. I haven't been able to sleep well the last three, four days. So it'll be good to get the draft over with and finally um, get some sleep in me. But, uh, you know, we have our draft extravaganza tomorrow. It's going to be the biggest and most epic spectacle in the history of the MI6 Sports Network. I know last year we had the MI6 Sports Network draft extravaganza, the first edition of it, but this year I guarantee you it's going to be more epic than it did last year because last year we just cobbled it up last minute and you know we just randomly you know, put on the draft and everybody was on and just watched it together. It's going to be more epic because we have so much more uh, preparation uh, towards the show. So can't wait for that tomorrow. Make sure you guys tune in at 4.45 p.m. Pacific time, 7.45 p.m. Eastern time. Me, John, and the rest of the MI6 clan will come to you live and just watch and react to the draft as it comes and goes. And also one last thing, I know that it's going to be going out there on Twitter because our stream might be a little bit slower than this live stream. So please do not, you know, comment down below uh, in the comment section and do not, you know, yeah, do not comment down below in the comment section about who is the pick for whichever team is on the clock. We want to watch it and react to it live on the air. We want the, that genuine, raw emotion um, on the draft show. So please don't ruin it for us. We really appreciate it, but make sure you guys tune in. Biggest show in MI6 history tomorrow night, the MI6 Sports Network draft extravaganza. Can't wait for that. Sorry, again, I had to say my I was muted, but again, James Gonzalez is going to say thanks for the plug, my man, and thank you for doing the show tonight, John. And say, again, we love this. We consider making the sports industry because we love what we do. But again, happy draft time. Like I tell you, it's free agency. It's the draft. It's the regular season. Those are three things when I feel like a kid in the candy store and on Christmas morning. But again, folks, that one do 2020 here. With joined by Isaiah Leong. Draft is draft is Savaganza tonight, or technically 
tomorrow for the rest of y'all that are in Isaiah's time. But thank you all so much for the support. My man, Kamel, man, I wish you the best luck in the draft. And uh, got interviewed on April 3rd. And I wish you the best. And uh, I can't wait to see where you go. But again, my 6 Sports Network. We'll see you later. Peace. And uh, Isaiah, can't wait to see you smash that TV. Corn, you know, I don't know, man, if I have seen someone, and I think I said this a while back when he first came on the network, was I don't know if I've seen someone with someone someone with the drive and passion to make it in the industry like I've seen with, with you. And um, you know, that's my boy, that dude 2020. I like the name. The, Where did the, the, name? the drive and fire and passion in some people is not quite there for this type of an industry because it's cutthroat, it's very, you know, up and down roller coaster of emotion. So I don't know if I've seen a person, though, who probably has been so appreciative of a chance that they were given. Corn, like I've said, though, ma'am, is, um, you know, again, you're one of the new guys on this network. And again, I know that you're very appreciative, though, of of me kind of giving you the shot here. But how did you get blocked by LeBron James on Twitter? I don't know if I've seen so much drive and energy and passion uh from someone maybe other than me for this industry. and Ron is truly a rising star in this industry. He knows his stuff. Uh, you know, he's not afraid to go at people and he's a guy that you want to go to bat for. And I'm so thankful that he's part of our network. If folks have the good difficulties, peace. See you later. Draft extravaganza tomorrow night. Have a good one. He'll throw it here on first down. Pressure up the middle. Wilson gets away from trouble. Oh, wide open receiver. Go, go, go.